Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. Advocates say a new bill would give Indiana children more power in foster care situations. The bill proposes the Department of Child Services does not have to place the child back with their original guardians if they allege abuse and if they don't want to see them. Some have concerns they don't see addressed in the legislation. And they argue some children are too young to understand the implications of deciding not to go back to their guardians, while others say the current system emphasizes parental rights and this bill would focus on the kids involved. House Bill 1188 would require a child's guardians to complete appointed treatment and rehabilitation in a timely and consistent manner, or the court may not return the child. It would also give children more say in who they want to live with. After four years of dealing with the foster care system, Gina and Phil Hullett say this could have helped save their foster son, Judah Morgan's life. Judah was murdered in October 2021, and so far his biological father has been convicted in his death. So every time that he would cry and beg for me not to send him to visit, I would have to turn so he didn't see how upset I was because I knew that would upset him further. But some at the Judiciary Committee hearing on February 1st opposed the bill, including representatives from the Indiana Judges Association and Department of Child Services. We've seen parents overcome struggles with substance use disorder and other difficult circumstances. These individuals with the right support sometimes turn out to be better moms and dads than they were before. Anytime we're dealing with family dynamics and the removal of children and families that are at risk, uh, mandatory yes or no recipe is is almost always uh, uh, going to lead to bad outcomes. According to Gina Hullett, many of the opposers were more concerned about the biological parents' rights and not what's best for the children. But she says parents meeting the court-appointed timeline shouldn't be impacted. If you're hurting your child or you're doing drugs and that's more important than your child, then this is where it helps the children and that's our main goal is to help the kids. And it seems like there are currently 10 bills relating to DCS working their way through the Indiana State House, including a part two to Judah's law, which went into effect last July. WSBT 22's Erica Finke reporting. South Bend's resolution for reparations for African Americans was tabled indefinitely Monday. The South Bend Common Council made the decision after hearing it more than seven weeks after it was originally filed. Councilman Henry Davis Jr. originally filed the resolution for reparatory justice on December 15th. It was taken off the agenda for one meeting and another meeting canceled. While now it's been heard, a new wrinkle has been added to the process. After weeks of back and forth for a resolution on repertory justice for African Americans, it was heard at a special meeting called by Mayor James Mueller. The resolution pushes the city to target investments into certain neighborhoods and encourage collaboration with South Bend Community School Corporation to incorporate curriculum teaching African American history along with other ideas. This is an opportunity for the city to put its money where its mouth is 
and invest in these communities that it says that it cares about. It was put together by Councilman Henry Davis Jr., Black Lives Matter South Bend, and others. At the special meeting, though, Council President Sharon McBride saying it isn't ready to move forward yet. Instead, she's forming a committee to work on it. Davis claiming this is a hijacking of his legislation. We experienced someone telling us what to do when they were going to do it and how they were going to do it, and no one else had any other way of dealing with it. Davis says the move suggests to him that some on the council don't want to deal with it. The worst thing that we are having, we'll have to delay, delay, delay till nothing happens. And as we know in politics, that's what happens when people do not want to address or deal with an issue. It was tabled in a four-to-one vote. President McBride says the reason for doing this is to fully vet the decisions being made. When you're asking for the reparation in its current form and you put a dollar figure on it, who came up with the monetary amount? How did you come up with the monetary amount and where are we getting those dollars from? McBride says it's important to consider how many people in the city are impacted by this. And the issue of funding is enough to put things on pause. She says she's looking to make the resolution more binding. Why not have something that has some substance to it, some teeth to it, and some real things that we could engage and implement moving forward that could reduce some of the harms that have been caused to the uh, black community. McBride says the committee will be made up of a diverse group of people, but decisions will be made in the coming weeks. WSBT 22's Anne Lurie reporting. A St. Joseph County judge is facing ethics charges from Indiana's Commission on Judicial Qualifications. They claim Judge Jason Chikowitz improperly benefited from funds belonging to a client he represented. From 2021 to 2022, the Indiana Commission on Judicial Qualifications had received 609 complaints about judges from across the state, and they followed up on about 115 of those. Now, the commission wouldn't tell many Tell me how many complaints they received uh, for Judge Jason Chikowitz, but it launched an investigation and is now asking for action from the state Supreme Court. Judge Jason Chikowitz is facing five counts of misconduct as a judge and two counts as a lawyer. The charges claim a conflict of interest while Chikowitz was a lawyer representing a man named Russell Cartwright, while also being a beneficiary on Cartwright's trusts and bank accounts. As a judge, Chikowitz allegedly still held Cartwright's power of attorney and is suspected of obscuring sources of funding from Cartwright's foundation to renovate the juvenile justice center, allegedly using some of that money to benefit Chikowitz's father's businesses. Quote, the funds were donated in a way that the public would not be able to determine the source, and the judge's father's business made some of the improvements. Now, according to the documents, that included an additional courtroom, remodeled break rooms, and three automobiles to be used by the court-appointed special advocates program. Chikowitz's lawyer says he legally used private funds at no cost to taxpayers and no benefit to himself. Quote, the commission's own statement of charges correctly asserts that Judge Chikowitz's interest was in making improvements that would be beneficial to the important work of the St. Joseph Probate Court and the families and children it serves. Cartwright's lawyer says he's standing by Chikowitz 100% and considers him a family member. Quote, Mr. Cartwright has always maintained that all actions taken by Chikowitz on behalf of Mr. Cartwright were on his own choosing and also in the best interest of our community and the children and families served by the JJC. Judge Chikowitz has 20 days to respond to the complaint and any judge that's found to be have committed ethical misconduct could face fines, sanctions, or even a permanent ban from judicial office in Indiana. WSBT 22's Erica Finke reporting. South Bend Community Schools now looking at how to deal with too many buildings for too few students. Major changes coming for South Bend Schools, but the district wants to hear from the community first. 
Due to shrinking enrollment, the district says it's asking for feedback on three scenarios to better utilize buildings. In all three proposals, there are some schools that will close while others are repurposed. One scenario keeps all four high schools open. A second plan closes Clay High School and a third option closes Clay and turns Riley High School into a middle school. We ask the community as they are reviewing these scenarios, keep in mind their platforms for discussion. Uh, the feedback will help form the recommendation which will very likely be a combination from the center of components from the scenarios as presented and not any one of them as presented. WSBT 22's Jennifer Copeland reports community meetings are now underway to take input. President Biden made a call for unity during Tuesday night's State of the Union address to a divided Congress. With Republicans in control of the House and Democrats, the Senate, gridlock concerns are real. The president's speech was greeted with applause from Democrats, but also boos from Republicans. Republicans giving the president a standing ovation when acknowledging the work and burden of our nation's police officers. But when the conversation turned to the economy, the room got tense. The president having a positive outlook, saying inflation is going down. When talking about the national debt, he called out Republicans for, quote, holding the economy hostage. This after last week's meeting with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The U.S. hit the debt ceiling last month with the country expected to run out of funding in the summer. Republicans are calling for spending cuts before raising the debt ceiling. Last night, the president accusing Republicans of wanting to get rid of Medicare and Social Security. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you, anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. You know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. Southwest Michigan Congressman Tim Wahlberg responding to the address in a statement saying, quote, President Biden's pursuit of a far left agenda has fueled inflation, crippled our domestic energy sector, infringed upon freedoms that Americans cherish, and created a power vacuum on the world stage, most recently underscored by the Chinese spy balloon flying across Alaska and the entirety of continental America. North Central Indiana Congressman Rudy Yakim also expressing disappointment with the address. Here's what he had to say last night. What we're looking for is a plan for how we're going to bring down inflation, how we're going to secure the border, make our country more secure. And on a week when we had a Chinese spy balloon that floated over the United States, we certainly would have expected to hear quite a lot more than that. The president did touch on the spy balloon last night, saying the U.S. will act to protect our country against China. All this coming as the president is expected to announce his bid for re-election as soon as next week. WSBT 22's Delaney Clark reporting. There's something different about this year's Lake Michigan ice, the lack of it. There is ice on the lake, but in normal years, it extends much further offshore. In normal years, you could look out over the lake and see it extend for miles. But the lack of that shelf ice is causing some concern, not necessarily right now, but later on in the coming months as we approach the time when we see those big storms come in. The sounds of waves crashing on ice is an everyday wintertime occurrence along Lake Michigan, thanks to shelf ice. It seemed like growing up fairly regularly, you'd stand on the shoreline and look off toward the west and, and may not see, uh, see any open water at all. Prolonged periods of cold air allow for ice to build up offshore. It typically lasts well into March or even April. Shelf ice is not attached to the bottom of the lake, but rather builds off of the ice already in place. 
This wall of ice creates a barrier. Ice along the shoreline protects the sand from direct wave attack. You don't see waves coming back in, crashing right on the sand and, and washing things away, like you see in the, the, the big erosion events that'll happen with a, a, a big fall storm, for example. That boils down to this. The more ice along the shoreline, the greater protection there is from strong winds and high waves. Right now, less than 20% of the Great Lakes have ice, when normally this time of the year sees 40%. Only about 10% of Lake Michigan has ice right now. Not having much ice can have other impacts as well. It can affect the way that water evaporates, so it can affect the, the water levels on Lake Michigan uh, in the Great Lakes. Um, it can also affect the water temperature. In addition to future erosion concerns, less ice also means that areas near to the shoreline can see lake effect snow deeper into the season. So if we have some unusually strong uh, spring storms and that ice isn't there to serve as a buffer, it could mean that erosion uh, could be worse. One thing experts say the water levels on Lake Michigan, they're a lot lower this year and that tells us that erosion may not be as bad this upcoming season. It's definitely something that we are going to watch. WSBT 22 meteorologist Lynette Grant reporting. You'll hear a lot of the term AED in this story. That stands for Automatic External Defibrillator. It's capable of restoring a heartbeat to someone in cardiac arrest. The roar of the crowd and the thrill of victory. There's nothing like high school sports. But two local parents are looking to help make those athletic events safer for the future. Injuries are a part of sports, but having life-saving equipment on hand isn't guaranteed. But that's where Senate Bill 369 comes in. It would require an automatic external defibrillator to be at school athletic events and within three minutes of the athletic facility. I lost my son, Jake, to sudden cardiac arrest on the football field here in LaPorte, Indiana. And in the past couple of years, we've been working on um, AED advocacy um, because we know we can't screen every child. So we can surely get AEDs out and uh, educate people. A number of local schools already have at least one AED at athletic events. Recently, Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin experienced sudden cardiac arrest during an NFL game, and quick access to an AED may have saved his life. This bill would ensure every school has them, and an emergency plan is in place. Hopefully this will lead to getting AEDs placed in all schools and where all schools will have a sudden cardiac arrest plan um, so they're prepared when it happens in their school because I often say it's not if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. Teresa Mago lost her son Zach to SCA back in July of 2018. While his cardiac arrest did not occur at school, she says this bill being advanced provides a sense of relief. It goes deeper than just having them at the schools for me. What it is doing is it is empowering those that are being coached and mentored to, you know, know what an AED is, why it is so important. While there's nothing that can be done to undo the tragic event, Julie is dedicated to make sure it doesn't happen again. I feel in my heart that if I can help in any way to prevent this, this tragedy from happening to another family, then we need to put the work in and uh, to make that possible. WSBT 22's Leo Goldman reporting. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 